Let's pray. Thank you that we get to come to your house today. Thank you that we can come joyfully and loudly and boldly and walk into your presence and that we've got freedom in this country still to do that whenever we like. That we can come into your presence and gather together as a church in Jesus' name. Father, today as we open your word and as Patrick Klein comes to speak and as Jackson comes to speak and share with us some of the things that you're doing in other parts of the world that don't necessarily have the same ability to just waltz in and join together anytime they want for any reason. Encourage our hearts, lift our eyes, because you are our help that comes from the hills. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. Thank you that we can rejoice today in what you're doing around the world and within our midst, within our own hearts. Fill this place today so that we can shout out your praise. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab a seat real quick. I get to introduce Patrick Klein, who is the director, leader, grand poobah of, a grand, uh, of an organization called Vision Beyond Borders. And he was here last February, January, February. He's just got back. Uh, <laughs> He got a hold of me last week and said, I'm in Romania. He says, I got a bolt for Cuba this week. He is running, and we got a hold, uh, a chance to, apparently Michael got some sort of chain around his ankle to be here today before Michael left. So Patrick, would you come? And we're going to turn the service over to you. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks, Pastor Steve. God bless you. Thank you. It's a blessing to be in Rock Springs again. Um, last time I was here, there was a lot of snow, and it was quite the, the roads were quite treacherous. Um, this morning, before I share, I would like to have Jackson Ramsey come. Uh, Jackson's from here in Rock Springs, and he was just recently in Southeast Asia. So I came to share for a few minutes about his trip. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jackson Ramsey. I know several of you guys here. I'm related to some of you guys. Um, but grew up in Rock Springs, went to Rock Springs High School, went to University of Wyoming. Um, so February, a few months ago, Patrick Klein comes to my church and he presents. And a few weeks before that, our pastor was like, yeah, Vision Beyond Borders, the director's coming to speak. I was like, oh, cool. What do they do? He's like, oh, they smuggle Bibles into communist countries. I was like, cool. <laughs> Never heard of them. And then one day I was like, wait a second. Yes, I have. I heard Patrick Klein on a radio interview once in my lunch break driving home. And I was like, wow, smuggling Bibles, this sounds interesting. So I actually emailed the, the organization. This kid calls me, he's like, oh yeah, dude, you should go, you should go on a trip, smuggle Bibles. I was imprisoned. It was awesome. I was like, <laughs> all right. So, you know, I kicked around. I ended up doing nothing. A few years before that, I read a book on Laos out of nowhere. I was like, oh, I don't know where Laos is. Don't know where that, probably couldn't find it on a map. So I read this book, Patrick Klein comes and speaks, and then he comes up to me in church, and he's like, hey, you want to go on a motorcycle trip to Laos with me? And I was like, so I read a book on Laos, hear him on a radio, email his organization. Grew up riding dirt bikes on White Mountain in Rock Springs. And then the director of this organization, organization comes and personally invites me on a trip, smuggling Bibles into Laos on motorcycles. I was like, all right, Lord, I guess, I guess I'm supposed to go. So... He's like, yeah, let me know, let me know, I'll be, you know, I needed a decision. I said, okay. So one night I'm laying in bed, 
And this fear just comes over me, and I'm like, what am I doing? Why would I go to risk imprisonment in a communist country, smuggling Bibles in? And I just wrestled with that. It was like 2.30 in the morning. I was finally just like, all right, Lord, if you want me to go, I will go. But you're going to have to do it because I cannot. I'm unable to do this. It's got to be all of you. So I text my mom the next day. I'm like, hey, I'm thinking of telling Pat yes. I'm going to go on this trip to Asia and smuggle Bibles in this communist country. And she's like, she doesn't say a word back. She sends back Stephen Curtis Chapman's music video, Dive. I was like, <laughs> I'm diving in. I'm going deep in over my head. I want to be. I was like, all right, mom's in. Let's do this. So I told Pat, I was like, yep, I'm, I'm in. I tell my younger brother, he's like, what? What are you doing? This is, haven't you ever seen Locked Up Abroad? I was like, yeah. He's like, don't do this, man. I was like, I do. I think God wants me to because circumstances just keep aligning. I can't explain this. I can't explain why these things keep falling in place. So I end up going. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so nervous. I'm fearful. It was like this heaviness came upon me that I only experienced a few times in my life before. And Pat's like, we met in Cody before. He's like, dude, you okay? I was like, no, I'm not okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm not ready. I can't do this. Like, I'm agreeing to go, but I don't. But it was like heavy spiritual depression almost. I can't explain it, but just this heaviness and uneasiness. And, but I was like, no, I said I'm going. I think God wants me to go. So I drive to Salt Lake. The day finally comes, and I go to get on my plane. They're like, oh, there's a problem with your ticket. You can't go. All right, Lord, I came this whole way, and now I can't go. So I call Vision Brown Borders office, and the lady's like, oh, I got you a new flight. Hey, instead of flying with your friends to South Korea, I got you a flight to Qatar. So I, I end up in the, I'm in the Middle East in the Persian Gulf. Get off this plane, this airport, alone, on the wrong side of the world. Lord, what am I doing here? There's Maseratis for sale in the duty-free store. <laughs> what is going on? And all, the, all the Arab guys run around in their robes. It's like, Lord, this is a, I'm just trusting this is you because I can't do anything on my own. So we finally fly into Bangkok, meet the rest of the team, hand out some tracks in Bangkok. And that night we met, we all met in the, in the guest house, and we just went around the room and we shared what we were most nervous about. And then we prayed because we didn't know what we were going to face in the next few weeks. So the next day we load up all our luggage with Bibles. We load them in this van, and this van is so squatted down that the drivers were taking pictures of the van, and they were like, they didn't know what was in the bags, we didn't tell them. We get on the plane, and we, we fly into Laos, and we land in Laos, and we're like, how do we get through customs? I'm like, Lord, this has gotta be you, because they've got x-ray machines, there's guards everywhere, here we go. We get through, we're like the only plane there. It was really eerie that night. And we go through, fill out our visa paperwork. We get in and then we go down to pick up our luggage, our check bags, and, and then we have to go through the x-ray scanners. So we get down there and we're, we split into pairs so we weren't all in one big group, like, they get us all. So <laughs> my buddy and I, we go down and one of our other guys is down there just going. We're like, what was that? I don't know. We pick up our bags, we go into the x-ray room, nobody's there. We walk in, out of the airport in the country, go God. So then we're loading up, we rent these pickups, and we're loading them up with all our contraband in the back. Suddenly our team leader disappears. We're like, hey, where's Bryson? Like, oh, dude, we just saw him walk away with two guards. They took him away. We're like, oh, they got us already. <laughs> we're praying. We're like, Lord, 
just, you got to get us out of this because we don't know. So Bryson appears a few minutes later. We're like, dude, what just happened? He's like, oh, apparently I, I drove the wrong way on the street here. So they were trying to find me. They wanted $50. I talked them down to 30 And the whole time we're sitting here loading our pickups full of Bibles, which are not allowed. We're like, go God. So we get in the trucks. We drive. We drive, we drive, we drive. We rent these motorcycles. I was like, yeah, dude, I rode White Mountain my whole childhood. Let's do this. So we're riding these Laotian jungle roads. And, and the roads are not like, Wyoming's are pretty straight. You know, you could bungee cord the steering wheel and put it on cruise control pretty much. Not there. It's like riding a topography map, elevation lines, and <laughs> just over and over and over. And, but it was a blast. We're having a good time. One kid wipes out. He goes into this concrete drainage ditch doing like 30 miles an hour. He gets pretty banged up. We're like, oh. So get him patched up. You know, he's in a sling, and, and he's pretty down. He's like, man, came all this way. Didn't even get to hand out one Bible yet. And now I got hurt. And we're like, we're like, Wes, we can't always see why things happen, but God's word says that he works together all things. He works together good for all who trust in him. All things work together for their good. And we don't know why, but there must be a reason you wrecked. We don't know. Well, a few days later, they were driving the pickup full of Bibles, and they got stopped at a checkpoint. They pull these ropes across the middle of the highway, and they can search your vehicle. They crack down there. And so we're like, the, the truck had stopped, and they're like, oh, it's got everything in it, all our stuff. So this guard comes up the window, and he knocks. They roll, it, they roll the window down, and they see him there, like, in a sling. And he's like, oh, go, go through. <laughs> they let him through. And we're like, Wes, that might have been the reason that you wiped out. So we could get these 500 Bibles in the truck and keep giving them out. And so all things did work together for good. So the team leader and I, Bryson, we were riding. We split into pairs. And first day, we went to these villages, and it was easy. We didn't see any guards, no soldiers. We're handing these out. We're giving balloons to kids. We're having a great time. Um, we're excited. We all meet back at the hotel. We're like, yeah, man, it was awesome. Everybody had a great day. The next day, we went out to the village. We hit one. It's pretty good. And then we went to this other village. We crossed a bridge, ride like three miles, and we go to this other village. And it was kind of like, I don't know, stoic. The people were kind of just like closed off. And we're like, eh. Gave out a few Bibles to some women and kids there. And somebody started shouting at us from this hut. It was a man. We're like, well, I don't know what that meant, but we should probably leave. So we, we book it out of there, and we come back to that bridge we crossed. And there's two guards waiting there for us. So somebody at the village called us in. And so we pull up the bridge and these guards signal to turn the bikes off. So we turn them off. This guy's just walking around. He's smoking a cigarette. And he's just walking around us. And I'm like, our backpacks are loaded with Bibles, MP3 players, and tracks. I'm like, well, they got us, Lord. Like, it's prison. Here, here I go. Like, <laughs> and he's walking around. He's pointing at our backpacks. He's like, and Bryson's like, He's pretending he can't understand. He's like, what? What do you What? And this guy reaches for his backpack, and Bryson turns away like that. And I was like, here we go. <laughs> like, we're going to get shot. And then the guard just says, go. And he points across the bridge. We're like, fire up the bikes, and we go. And we ride across the bridge. And we're, we're riding back to the city we came from, and we're like, why would he just let us go? And we're like, maybe there's more guards waiting for us. I don't know. I was like, dude, do you think we should dump everything we have? He's like, yeah, Jackson, that's a good idea. Let's do it. But where? 
And we turn and we look, and there's a little farmer's hut on the side of the hill. We're like, yeah. So we run up there. We unload like 15 Bibles, like 40 MP3 players, and all the tracks we had. Run down to our bikes, we get on, we go. Start riding again. And sure enough, we come to another bridge, and there's three soldiers waiting for us. And they're like, search. Passport. I'm like, oh, here's a passport. Yeah, here's a bag. Go ahead and search. So they're going through, and we're like, yeah, did you check that pocket there? Oh, yeah. Hey, man, you want a piece of gum? They're like, and they're on the phone. They're talking. They're like, sorry. And they let us go. We're like, well, now what? So we went and got smoothies. But just again and again, another time we're riding, we're loaded down. We come to another bridge, and the checkpoint stopped, and they flag us down. And we're like, oh got us again these guys walk around and we thrashed these bikes we were jumping them we were putting them through some wild jungle stuff but one of the chain guards fell off and so we had a bungee strapped to the front basket this guard comes over and he's, he's pointing at it talking to his friend and he's like, all right see you <laughs> so they let us go again um but again and again we just got out of things that you can't explain so another part of the team was on the other side of the country we get a text one day, they're like, hey, we just got caught. They found one tract in the cab of our truck. And they took our passports and they told us to come back tomorrow. But they didn't look in the bed of the truck where we had 500 Bibles. <laughs> Can somebody meet us in the middle of the night and let's do a little switcheroo? So another truck met them. They unload, you know, like midnight, go back the next day, um, and they have no Bibles in their truck. They fingerprint them, they make them sign a paper, they wouldn't do it again. They turn them loose, like, oh, go God. A few days later, they got caught again. And we're like, oh, second offender, they're not going to be very good. And so they start sending us pictures, the guys, and they're like standing up beside the truck. And there's a soldier over there, like, oh. And they hung all their laundry on the truck as a decoy. And then they ran everything they had in the truck down into the jungle and hid it. And the guards, oh, yeah, some, some officials from the capital are coming to question you guys. They'll be here in two hours. So they're waiting. Two hours goes by. Three hours goes by, four hours goes by, and they're finally just like, look, I don't know, just go. So they turn them loose again. But time, we just got out of things that you can't explain this. And there's no way that it wasn't divine. And so three things that came back from this were with, one, God is sovereign. His hand is orchestrating things in our life, even when we cannot see it. A lot of times you can sense him when you're in the middle of something, but it's not until you look back later that you see how he actually did save you for something or move you through something. Um, the second thing is the word of God is priceless. I can go pick up, I don't know how many Bibles I have, but I can go pick up and read whenever I want, whatever I want. I'm like, oh, King James today or ESV, what should I do? These people lost have nothing. They have no Bibles. They are persecuted heavily. And they can't go, they don't have hope. They can't go read the words of Jesus and, get the, and have the hope, the eternal security that we have. So it is priceless. There is no value you can put on it. The kid that I talked to, that Pat knows, he went to prison for three days. I think it was in Laos, right? Three days, yeah. And he, I guess he snuck a Bible in. Yeah. And they, they said, Pat asked him, how was that? What was it like having that Bible in prison? He said, the word of God was never sweeter. And the third thing, um, prayer is effective. We had a prayer chat group going, and so we were sending texts all the time back home. Um, luckily, my mom was not on it because she would have been very worried if she saw what was going on. But I didn't know about it or else I probably would have had her on it. But we had people praying the whole time and we say, hey, we got caught. This happened. 
And people back in the U.S. say, hey, we're praying for you. You got this. The Lord's got you. You are in good hands. He's with you. And God just brought us through all this. But So when I'm flying over the Persian Gulf on the way there, I'm like, Lord, why am I doing this? What is going on? And I'm reading this book called The Green Letters that an old friend had given me, an old believer, and he had passed away last year. And I'm reading this part, and part of it just smacked me in the face. You ever read something in the Word, and it's almost eerie how it cuts you to the heart? Well, this, this was one of those instances. It wasn't the Bible, but it was, it says, faith is dependence upon God, and this God dependence only begins when self-dependence ends. And self-dependence only comes to its end with some of us when sorrow, suffering, affliction, broken plans, and hopes bring us to that place of self-helplessness and defeat. And I was like, Lord, I was wondering why, life, my, in, why in my life I get broken, why I'm down, and I pray that I won't get broken. But that's when I'm receptive to you. This self-centeredness of my human nature, you know, I wake up in the morning, oh, what do I want to do for me today? What can I do today, you know, to strive for myself? When God's saying, no, I want you to wake up and what can I do for him today? What do you want to do for the kingdom today? And to get me to stop looking at myself and focusing on him and, and the cross and spreading that to people, he needs to break me down and humble me. Because I don't, me in the flesh, I want to do what I want. I want to live this life the way I want to live it. But total surrender, when I turn it over to him, that's when he can use me, and that's when I'm willing to listen to him and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So that night when I was laying in bed debating on the going, I said, Lord, if I, I give up. You know, if, I go to, if I go to jail, I go to jail. If I die, I die, whatever. Take the reins. I want to do it. And that's when I, I was willing to do it, when I gave up on myself. That's the great paradox of life. You give up of yourself, and you, you find true joy and happiness and peace. Where when we strive for our own, ourselves, that's when we're miserable. That's when we're, we're not performing to what we think we should. And that's when we're not happy. But when we give ourselves up, that's when God can use us. And that's when we get true peace. Um, so anybody who, if anybody's interested in going for a trip, Timothy, you should come talk to Pat. I'd be happy to talk to you too. Um, but... It's life-changing to go see these people who have nothing, dirt floors, roofs. And we, I came back, we landed in Salt Lake City, and I went to a shopping mall with my niece, and I was just like, this is just, I'm like shocked coming home. It's like culture shock coming back to what I'm, I, I'm used to and knowing. But it'll change your life if you submit yourself to the Lord. And I need to do that every day. Every day I wake up, I say, Lord, break me down when I start falling in my own fleshful ways, seeking after what I want, Lord. Use me and crush this human nature I have, Lord. Surrender. Give it to you, Lord. Just take me and use me as you want, Lord. So that's my prayer, and um, I pray that you guys would seek that as well, and that the Lord would use you, because he will use you. If, you're, if you submit yourself like me, I got, I got mental problems. I got issues. But he's able to use me, and he's able to spread his word through me. What more in life? What's the point of life? What else could you get in life? You know, this fleeting life of mine. Um, the word of God changed it. And the word of God is changing people across the world. So it's worth submitting your life to. Amen. Thank you.
I thought that would really bless you because Jackson's from here in Rock Springs and he's a young man and God's really got his hand on his life. And I think that's why he went through such a battle, you know. Um, Satan was trying to keep him from going on that trip. And, you know, Satan doesn't want us to step out in faith. He doesn't want us to obey God and do what God wants us to do. And so actually it's kind of interesting because we were on a prayer chain with them. And when we were, when they were in, going into Laos, we were going into Armenia um, because every year during the Iranian New Year, tens of thousands of Iranians come out of Iran and they go to Armenia because Armenia is an open country and the women can take off their burqas and the chadoras and everything else and they can walk with their husbands hand in hand and, and laugh and enjoy their life because in Iran you can't. It's, there's so much oppression and darkness in Iran. And so tens of thousands of these people come to Armenia. Years ago I was there and I thought, well, it'd be great to have a team and just go out in the streets and pass out tracts to these Iranians and share the gospel with them. And so we had a team and there was four of us and then a friend of mine from Romania joined us as well. So there was five of us, but I'm flying in the country and I have 210 pounds of 330 uh, New Testaments with Psalms and Proverbs in Farsi, okay, for the Iranians. And I'm flying into the country and they see me with all these bags of five guys in customs and they're older, kind of stern looking men. And I'm just praying, oh God, please help me. And they said, come over here, put it through the X machine. So I put my suitcases through the X machine, these three big bags, and they, they pulled them off the X machine. They said, open them up. I opened them up and they said, what are these books? And I said, these are New Testaments with Psalms and Proverbs for the Iranians. And they said, what's a New Testament? And so I'm just like, Lord, please help me. And all of a sudden they start taking these suitcases away from me and putting them behind the counter and they're gonna confiscate them. And I'm just praying, God, please help me. And all of a sudden this woman walks over, this young lady, pretty young lady, and she says, my name is Anna. I'll be your translator today. And I said, okay. She said, what are these books? And I said, they're New Testaments of Psalms and Proverbs for the Iranians. She said, you brought Bibles for the Muslims? I said, yes, I did. <laughs> she said, are you a Christian? I said, yes, I am. And she said, so am I. And she starts talking to the customs guards and everything else. She's talking away with them. And all of a sudden they start smiling. They sort of hand me the bags of Bibles back. Okay. And she said, I just want to shake your hand. Thank you for bringing Bibles for the Muslims. I know that was an angel. And my friend told me in, in Armenia, he said, that was an angel God sent to get you through customs. And for the next seven days, we're out on the streets sharing the gospel with the Iranians. And God is doing an amazing thing in Iran. God is changing Iran. There's over a million believers in Iran. I've shared before that 80% of the people that have come to Christ have had a dream or a visitation from Jesus. I mean, it's amazing how God is pouring out His Spirit and then somebody comes and shares the gospel and the Holy Spirit's already prepared their hearts and people are receiving the truth. It's exciting time to be alive. God is working in the nations. And so we're out on the streets sharing the gospel with the Iranians. So many Iranians took Bibles from us. So many of them. Thankful. And they're, you know, it's a small, slim Bible. It's not a real big Bible because it's hard to smuggle that back into Iran. But the people are so hungry for the word of God. We even had a little, it's called a proclaimer. And it was uh, playing the New Testament in Farsi. And we're sitting in a park. And these Iranians would stop and they would listen to the word of God. 
And it was amazing. One man came and he sat down for an hour and a half and we gave him a Bible. He read that Bible for an hour and a half. And we prayed with him several times and he was so open. It was amazing. So it's exciting times we're living in. And so uh, I'm excited about what God is doing. I'm really excited about Jackson and their, their team. There was 15 of them, young people, going and going into Laos, into these remote areas with the gospel. I'm not very good on motorbikes. I did not grow up on a motorbike. And so I've had a couple wrecks and I'm thinking I'm older now. I better uh, be careful now. But so, but the younger people can go. And, and so we're really excited. This morning, I want to share a little bit of scripture with you from Mark chapter 2, starting at verse 21 and 22. It says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear results. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and the skins as well but one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. And I believe that's talking about God putting his spirit into us. The old wineskins, I don't know about you, but before I got born again, I was a hardened person. I was self-centered, I was self-righteous, I was judgmental, I was critical. But when I got born again, the spirit of God changed my life. And God took away that heart of stone and he put a heart of flesh in me a heart that he could write his word on my heart. And he got rid of all those judgmental, critical mentalities and the religious self-righteousness. And that's what God wants to do in us, is pour new wine, the wine of the Holy Spirit, into us so that we are new vessels for God to work through. The world doesn't need to see more religion. Religion's killing them. Look at what's happening in Iran. The people are tired of the, the oppression in, his, in Iran. We heard about one Muslim guy who said to our friend, he was in Iran recently, he said to him, he said, Iran is a Muslim country. My name is Mohammed. Today I'm a Muslim. But one day soon, Islam's going to fall in this country and I will no longer be a Muslim and I will change my name. God is working around the world, but he wants to work through people that are yielded to him. Not, not people that are rigid and, and like the Pharisees. You think of the apostle uh, Paul, who was Saul before. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious man. And he was very hardened and he hated Christianity. He was there when they were, when they were killing Stephen, when they are stoning him. He was there giving full approval to it. Okay, but he has an encounter with God, with Jesus on the road to Damascus and Paul is changed. Saul becomes Paul, the apostle. And here's a man who suffers a lot for his faith in Jesus Christ, but he wrote a lot of the New Testament. Okay, so God could take a hardened man and change him and turn a persecutor into the persecuted. And that's my prayer all the time, all over the world. God, change those that are persecutors, get a hold of them, and change them into followers of Jesus Christ to proclaim the gospel. Years ago, we got a Bible in the hands of a, of a man in Pakistan who was a Taliban soldier. The Taliban soldier read the Bible, he got born again, and he went out and he preached the gospel to a thousand other Taliban soldiers. 5,000 Muslims were calling for his death. 
But God transformed the man who was a terrorist into an evangelist. God is doing incredible things around the world today. And we need to believe him to do great things, to transform people. God can transform even the biggest drug dealer in the world. He can transform him and make him born again and make him an evangelist. Amen? And so I'm excited. I believe we're living in exciting times. This is not a time to run and hide. You know, when we look at the news and the natural, it gets depressing. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to spend my time on the news. I'm going to spend time in the Word of God. Because when I, when I spend time in the Word of God, then when I hear those little bits of the news, I can pray and give it to God. And see, God, God knows what's going on. They're not hiding anything from God. God knows it all. He knows their agenda of a one-world government and, and what they want to do is bring us all under control. He knows all that. And He's allowing it for a reason. You know, maybe so that we as Americans will really come to our knees, like, like Jackson was talking about, that no longer self-dependence, but a reliance on God. You know, maybe, maybe it's going to take some hard things for us to really say, you know what, God, I can't do it. I cannot do it. God, you're the only one that can change America. President Trump can't change America. It's only Jesus Christ because he gets in the hearts and he changes the lives. And so... First of all, I believe that the born-again experience is the most important experience in a person's life. And it's not a mental ascent. It's being born again by the Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and begins to change us from the inside out. All of a sudden, I don't think the way I used to think. I don't see things the way I used to see them. I don't care about the things I used to care about. Now I care about the things of God. And that's what God wants to do. He wants us to be born again by the Spirit, by His Holy Spirit. Let's flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6. Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. If they understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Just as written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. But to us, God revealed him through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand it because they're spiritually appraised. Spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who is now in the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I believe it's so important as believers that we spend time in God's word and renew our minds. I believe on a daily basis. Because the world is telling us many things. The world is saying there's 143 different genders. 
The world is saying marriage is between two men or two women and people with animals and all that craziness. But the Bible tells us the truth. And we need to keep renewing our minds because it's easy to let the world creep in. I don't know about you. Does it ever creep in with you? Yeah. So I have to get back in the Word and be reminded in the Word. What does God say? I don't care what the world says. I care what does God say. So years ago, 30-some years ago, um, I wanted to go to China. Okay, Everybody was saying, don't go to China. It's a closed country. It's, you know, it's a communist country. You can't bring Bibles to China. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Okay? No country is closed to God. No country is closed to God. And he's called us to get the gospel around the world. And China's part of the world. And I thought, okay, God, I'm going to go to China. And so started going over 30 years ago, get caught my first time going into China. I got busted. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'm not called to do this. And I thought, nope, I'm going to press through. And so I pressed through. And over the years, there's been hundreds of thousands of Bibles we've been getting, able to get into China, okay? And for every Bible we would carry in, every regular Bible, they said that five people would come to Christ for every regular Bible. But every study Bible that we would carry in, that 40 people would come to Christ. So we mostly carried study Bibles. Let's get the Word of God in there, okay? So, you know, in the natural, it was like, don't go, don't go. But God says, go, okay? So do I obey the world? And even my own father was against me going. He did not want me to go. But I knew God had called me, and I have to go. I have to obey God rather than men. Yes, I loved my dad, and I respected my father. And my dad, when he got born again, 34 years later, he understood why I was doing what I was doing. But the carnal mind does not understand the things of God. You know, I went to North Korea twice. North Korea, not South Korea. I've been to South Korea, but North Korea twice. Okay? Everything in the natural say, don't go to North Korea. Don't go. Okay? But God loves the people in North Korea. And somebody's got to come and bring the gospel to them. Okay? It's dangerous in North Korea. China was like a picnic compared to going to North Korea. Okay? But we obey God rather than men. I believe that I need to obey the laws of the land, speeding, you know, uh, obey the, the traffic signs, do what, you know, pay my taxes. I need to do those things. But when God's law and man's law conflict, God's law is higher. Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen? Yes. yes. Okay. Because we may come to a point in our life, in our own country, where we may have to make a choice. Are we going to obey the laws of the land or are we going to obey God? And that's what happens to our brothers and sisters all over the world. Even after the team came back from Laos, a couple weeks later, we heard about a pastor in another part of the country that was shot and killed for preaching the gospel in Laos. What did he do wrong? He did nothing wrong. The man ran an underground church. He wasn't telling people, he wasn't selling girls into trafficking. He wasn't dealing drugs. He was preaching the gospel and the government didn't like it. But you know, he's in heaven right now enjoying his reward. Okay? So we have to see things through God's perspective, not our perspective. And that's why it's so important that I spend time in the Word of God renewing my mind so that I see what God sees and I know what God wants to do. 
For many years, we've been going to Cuba. Over 30 years, we've been going to Cuba. I'd like to show those slides, please. For over 30 years, carrying, carrying Bibles into communist Cuba, okay? And we would carry five or 10. Uh, I remember one time we brought a big load in, uh, 800 Bibles. Uh, there was one suitcase they missed, but they took all of our Bibles from us, except, there's, except for 60 Bibles they did not see. We had five sewing machines. We had thread, we had needles, we had fabric. The government took everything from us, cleaned us out, okay? So that they could take it away from us and then they could give it to the people in the name of the government. Say, look how the communist government takes care of you. No, they don't care. They don't care about the people. But so we've been carrying Bibles. I'm going again Tuesday morning with a team. We're carrying in some study Bibles for the pastors. And we have a lot of medicine too, okay? But by the grace of God, we recently, can send the next one, please. Um, recently, we were able to send a container with 37,000 Bibles into Cuba, okay? In the natural, my mind would say, it's not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. We've been knocking that door, we've been praying for 30 years, God, please open this door. And all of a sudden, the door comes open, okay? Because God is working in these last days. I believe he's bringing down every resistance to the gospel so that people can hear the truth and make a decision. Do I want to repent and turn my life to Jesus Christ? Do I really want to live for eternity for what God has prepared for me? Or do I want to live for the flesh? And so I believe that everybody needs to have that opportunity to hear the gospel. So God has opened the, opened the country and we sent 37,000 Bibles in and we're sending another container with 37,000 more to a communist country. This is God, and this is not me, this is God. But if I don't step out in faith, based on what the Word of God says, if I live in fear, nothing would get accomplished. So I have to not let fear rule my life. I can't live in fear. I've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. And that's why I need to renew my mind on a daily basis. That's why I need to pray I have to tell you, a couple weeks ago, I, I was really struggling. We had just printed 150,000 Spanish Bibles for Latin America, okay? And so I got the bill, $465,000, okay? I do not have that. So I'm thinking every way in the natural, okay, do I sell my house? What do I do? I need, I need to come up with $465,000. I don't have $465,000. I thought, you know, we've already talked to people on the mailing list. We've done everything we know to do, talk on the radio, we've shared. Lord, I don't know where the money's gonna come from. And so I was asking the, one of the board members, I said, should we borrow the money? He said, nope, we're gonna trust God. And I'm like, okay. So I confess to you, I was laying in bed that night and I was like, Lord, I am overwhelmed. Because a couple of weeks ago, I'd been in Turkey where they had the major earthquake. And in the city of Antioch, over 80% of the buildings collapsed. They say 50,000 people died. They said it's probably a half a million people died in Turkey. Unbelievable, the devastation. I, I confess to you, I went back that night and I just cried. I said, God, I've never seen so much devastation in my life. A city of 1.3 million people and 80% of the buildings have collapsed. Many of those people were buried under the rubble. They weren't able to get them out. It's horrible. And I was laying in bed and I just said, God, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. 
And I just put my hand on my heart. I said, Lord, I just give you the situation to Turkey. This is so much bigger than me. I can't do it. But God, you can do anything. And then I said, Lord, I need $465,000 for these 150,000 Spanish Bibles. And I just, Lord, I, it's too big for me. I give it to you. And the Holy Spirit brought the scripture to me, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Zechariah 4, 6. I can't tell you the peace that just flooded my heart. I went right to sleep. Next morning, I woke up, had my devotions, and I started to pray for those Bibles. And once again, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I trust you. I went to work, and I was doing some emailing that morning. I get an email about 10 o'clock in the morning from a friend of mine, and he said, our church is going to give you $250,000 toward the Spanish Bible Project. $250,000. And then I'm talking to a man that I work with in Europe. He said, we're going to give you $100,000 toward that Spanish Bible project. So in a matter of four hours, $350,000 came in. And we had enough money in the account, we were able to pay off the Spanish Bible project. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. yes. So my natural mind says, no. Don't do this. Don't do this. But the Spirit of God says, yes, yes, trust me. Trust me. So when I started over 30 years ago carrying Bibles into China, it was 20 Bibles in a bag. Now we're working on distributing 410,000 Bibles throughout Latin and South America, and we have 25,000 more that are going to Laos. I mean, only God. This is not me. This is God. This is God working because he wants me not to depend on myself, but on him. As Jackson said, you know, it's not us. It's depending on him. And when we step out of our comfort zone and we step out of our flesh and we say, Lord, have your way, God can do incredible things in and through our lives. Amen? Um, let's look at Romans chapter 8. So in the natural, I look at these countries and I say, there's no way. So when I was in, uh, in Armenia a couple weeks ago, there's 89 million people in Iran. 89 million people and 1 million believers. Now, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, I want to be raptured out of here. I want Jesus to come now because life is getting tough in America. You know, we got it good. We really do. I mean, it may be a little bit of pressure here, but it's not like what our brothers and sisters around the world are facing. Okay, And I don't want to be raptured out yet. I want to see God move in the world because God wants to save people. So if we all went out you know, today, most of the people in Iran would go to hell. And many of them have never heard the gospel. In Turkey, there's 86 million people and only about six to 8,000 Christians. And we think, well, I want to go because it's getting a little bit tough. You know, they're, they're saying things against me and whatever. They're persecuting me. And we just say, well, I don't care about the people in, in, in Turkey. I just want to go. I want to get, I want to get out of here because it's getting tough. No, no, it's like, Lord, I want to be here to be used to minister to people the gospel. You know, last one I was coming, I was going back from Rock Springs. I got up in the morning and there was, a, you know, the snowstorms were really bad and the interstate was closed and the road through Rollins was closed. And I got on my knees before I went to speak and I just said, Lord, 
please, I'd like to get back to Casper. I got a busy week ahead. Please make a way for me to get back to Casper. And Lord, if there's anybody you want me to talk to along the way, I pray that I would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. So I drove over South Pass, and it's such a beautiful drive, and a little bit of ice, but it wasn't too bad. And I'm coming into Lander, and I thought, I'm going to take that road to cut off to go to Riverton and back to Casper. But I just felt like the Lord said, there's something you need to do in Lander. I'm like, okay, Lord, maybe I'm supposed to pray. I don't, I don't know, but Lord, not my will, but your will be done. So I drive into Lander, and I pull into the Maverick gas station, and I see this this guy standing there, with he's real disheveled looking, and he's got this backpack on, and he's got these sunglasses, so it's kind of hard to see his face, and his hair's all messed up and everything else. And I went over and gave him a gospel track. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm driving back to Casper. He said, well, I need a ride to Casper. Can I have a ride? And I'm like, Lord, what do I do? <laughs> and I thought, oh, what the heck. I'm also, I can share the gospel with him. So, so I said, okay, put your backpack in the back. Let's go. So he gets in the truck with me. I start driving to, back to Casper. And about five minutes down the road, I said, so what's your name? He said, Rue. And I'm thinking, Rue, that's a weird name. I thought, well, maybe it's short for Reuben or something. And so I'm like, okay. And he says, he says, really, my name is Abaddon. I'm the fourth angel in the book of Revelation. And I'm thinking, what in the heck is in my truck? <laughs> And then I thought, wait a minute, you know, Jesus is here in my truck and this is his truck and, I'm, and I belong to him and his presence is here. And Satan, you don't have authority here. You do not. And so I said, I said, you're a lying devil. And you shut up in Jesus name. He said, don't talk to me right now. I'm talking to Michael, the archangel, Gabriel and God. They're all angels. I said, shut up. You're a lying devil. God is not an angel. He created the angels. And I'm like, what in the world? And so I got the Christian music on real low and I'm praying, just praying the whole way. I'm like, God, there's a reason he's in my truck. There's a reason. And Lord, I pray whatever you want to do. And so I'm trying to minister to this guy. And in my mind's eye, I'm driving. And I'm thinking he's going to grab the steering wheel and we're going to go off the road 70 miles an hour. And I'm just praying. So I texted a friend of mine and then I, uh, we stopped. He said he wanted to get something to eat in Shoshone. So I stopped to take him to the Maverick. He went to the Maverick. And I'm like, I just want to leave his backpack and drive off. <laughs> but I just felt the Lord said, he's in your truck for a reason. So I called a friend of mine. I said, please pray. She's calling. She's praying. Ask other people to pray. So we get to Powder River and the road is horrible. I mean, you know how the wind blows and, and ice on the road and everything else. And we're going 10 miles an hour. Okay. And every once in a while, this guy throws his head back, go, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, Satan has no authority here. Lord, I pray you'd break into the situation. And so uh, we're in Powder River, and I said to him, I said, he said, you know, thank you for the ride. And I said, you're not very thankful. Oh, I have to back up a second. When he first got in, he had these sunglasses on. He says, look at these sunglasses. God gave them to me, or maybe Satan gave them to me. He stole them from the Maverick gas station. <laughs> Like, who in the heck is in my truck, you know? And so anyway, so I said, he said, thank you for the ride. I said, well, you never, you never did tell me who your real name is. And he said, my name is Reed. I'm like, okay. And I said, so, uh, Reed, you didn't even ask me what I do. He says, are you one of those preacher people? And I said, well, I'm actually a Bible smuggler. And he said, I have a friend named Sam. He's a Bible smuggler too. I said, Sam, fees? He's like, yeah, Sam's my best friend. So I call up Sam. I said, Sam, guess who's in my truck? He said, Reed. 
And he said, how'd you get in your truck? And I started talking to him and they're talking back and forth. And so this guy, young man said, um, can you take me to the rescue mission? I'm like, okay, and Casper. And so my friend Sam says, I brought Reed to your house three and a half years ago for you to minister the gospel to him. He looked totally different when I met him three and a half years before. I didn't even recognize him at this time. So I take him to the rescue mission and I just felt the Lord said, put your hand on his shoulder and pray for him. So I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, Lord, I pray for Reed. Lord, you love this young man. I don't know how he opened the door to Satan, but I ask that you would close every door. I pray that Jesus, he would have an encounter with you that he would never, ever be the same. When he got out of my truck, he was a totally different person. I mean, he was a sweet kid that I had met three and a half years before. So I dropped him off. I called up Sam and I said, Sam, what's the deal with Reed? He's Pat, I haven't heard from Reed for three years. He said, Reed called me four days ago and he was talking all this gibberish and stuff that didn't make sense. And so he said, after I hung up, he said, Lord, please send somebody to read to minister to him. <laughs> See, God loves people. He loves people and he wants to use anybody that's available to be used to minister to him. Amen? Amen. So let's look at Romans chapter 8. It says in first, starting verse 5, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, and is not even able to do so. But those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you're not, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we're not under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will, also, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so I believe that it's more than just being born again. Amen. Amen. I believe it's more than just being born again. You know, it's the most important thing in our lives to be born again, to have that new birth in our life. But God doesn't want us just to stop there. He wants to do so much more in and through our lives to bring Him glory. He has a plan and a purpose. It says, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And I believe like even with Jackson, he realized as he was doing the will of God, he was you know, on the mission trip, giving out the gospel, that there was fulfillment there. And all of a sudden you come back to the United States and you see the materialism and, and you know, everything we call the American dream. And it's like, all of a sudden, this doesn't matter anymore. It's not that important. It's more important to do the will of God. 
It's more important to have the mind of Christ and, and to be led by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the world if every Christian were completely sold out to Jesus and we're all being led by the Holy Spirit? The world would be a different place. Yes, it, would. it would be a different place. Okay? And that's what God wants to do is God wants to work through all of us. I believe we're getting ready to see the greatest move of God that the world has ever, has ever even imagined, can't even imagine. Okay, we've seen some revival. We've heard of revivals in the past, but I believe God's getting ready to pour out his spirit on all flesh. He says in the book of Joel, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Okay, and I think we're seeing a taste of it in the Islamic world where people are having dreams and visions. But I believe it's going to happen all over the world. Okay, and I believe we as a church need to get ready. We need to get ready. Like when I was in Armenia a couple weeks ago, I'm like, Lord, we need to get ready. We need to have 30 million Bibles ready to go into, into Iran. When the door opens, we're sending Bibles in by, by semi-loads because people need to have the truth. They need to have the truth so that they can follow Jesus Christ and then they won't be deceived when the cults come in because they'll come right behind them. They'll come in right away. So we've got to get people grounded in the word. You know, when I lived in Hong Kong, I'd see those big uh, container ships you know, the big ones, and they got like, I don't know, maybe 100, 200 containers on them. I'm like, Lord, I would love to see a container ship full of Bibles going into China. Is that too hard for God? No. And it's like, Lord, help me. And I was saying this the last couple of weeks. Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I'm, I'm struggling for 465,000. What happens when God says, okay, I want you to print 30 million Bibles for, for Iran? I'm like, God, whatever you want, it's not me. It's you that are doing it. I just want to be a willing vessel for you to work through. I don't want to limit God. A friend of mine said in Bible school, she said, you know, when we stand before God, we're going to see all the opportunities we, opportunities we had and all the opportunities we missed. And we're going to wish we had taken more, had stepped out in faith more often. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to be one that has regrets. I don't want to be one that says, Lord, I wish I would have trusted you more. I want to be one that says, Lord, I saw you do great things. And I believed you and, and you did great and mighty things. And so I don't want to live this small Christian life. I want to live a life that's full of the spirit of God, that he can work through me. That, you know, I read the Bible. You know, it, it talks about even with Joshua. He spoke to the sun and it stood still. That's amazing. Have we ever prayed that? I have a friend that, was, that lives in Denver, and she said there was a tornado coming down, and she, was, she went out and she said, I, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Go back up in the air. And also the, the tornado dissipated in the sky. See, God has given us authority as believers, but we need to use that authority. It doesn't do us any good if we say, well, I got, I got authority, but I'm not going to use it. You know, I'm going in the countries and I'm saying, God, you love these people. Lord, save these people. I'm in Turkey a couple of weeks ago and the Turkish people, because of the earthquake, there was three earthquakes at one time. The people thought it was the end of the world. The Muslims even were scared, like what's coming? And, you know, sorry, the cell phones went down for three days in the earthquake area. This one girl was calling her dad, dad, please come and help us. 
Mom and I and our sister are trapped under the rubble. Dad, please come and help us. Dad, it's starting to snow. Dad, please, it's getting cold. Dad, Mom says, let's huddle together because it's, it's really cold. Dad, please come and get us out. Dad, and then she's, Dad, Mom's not moving anymore. Mom's gone. Uh, Mom, Dad, I can't, I can't fight anymore. I'm going. Can you imagine? And then your cell phone comes up three days later and you have these voicemails from your family that are trapped under the rubble. And you know what the Muslim leaders said? This was the judgment of Allah for these people's sins. But what it does, it turns more people away from Islam. And people are saying, okay, if this is, if this is the God of Islam, I don't want that God. And so now people in Turkey are crying out for the truth. And it's like, Lord, show us. Show us your strategies to reach the people in Turkey. And I couldn't believe it. After we'd been in the earthquake area, I met, I met one guy in the airport in Adana. It's a big city close to where we, where we flew into. And I met this young man, 26 years old. He works for the Navy. And I said, sir, I'm really sorry what happened in your country. I just want you to know there's a lot of Christians in America who love you and we're praying for you. And he was doing all that he could to keep from crying. He said, my city's been wiped out. My family's okay, but my city is destroyed. And we were able to give him a New Testament, and he thanked us for it. And even the last couple of days, we were out on the streets, and we'd, we'd talk to people, and we'd pray for people and give them, and people were so receptive to the gospel. I believe that God is working situations and situations and, and circumstances is allowing things to happen so that people everywhere will cry out to Jesus. And I believe we as a church need to be ready, saying, God, use me, prepare me, use me so that I have your mind in your heart. When you tell me to go to the bank and talk to the bank president about Jesus, I'm ready to go. When you tell me to talk to the checker at the grocery store, I'm ready to go. You know, whenever, when I'm walking down the aisle in Walmart and you give me a word of knowledge about somebody, that I'll step out in faith. See, God wants us to be tuned in to his Holy Spirit because it's not God's will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Amen? And so he wants to use every one of us. None of us is any better than anybody else. We all just need Jesus. We all need a Savior. We all need Jesus. But God wants to use all of us. I believe this last harvest of souls, God is going to use this whole church to bring in the harvest. Amen? So I want to encourage you. We are living in exciting times. This is not a time to run and hide. It's not a time to live in fear. But this is a time to say, God, you're doing a great thing in the earth, and I want to be a part of it. Here am I, Lord, send me. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for this church that it's just ordinary faith. And that's what you're looking for, is ordinary faith. People that are just ordinary people. That people that just love Jesus, that love the word of God, and, and want to be used by you. And so, Father, I ask that you would stir our hearts today. That we would say, Lord, I may not be an eloquent speaker, I may not be really talented or gifted, but Lord, I just love you, Jesus, and I want to be used to touch people's lives, to bring the gospel to people, to see captives set free, 
to see lives transformed. Thank you for that opportunity to read. Thank you for what you're doing in Cuba. Thank you for what you're doing in Iran and Turkey and China. Father, you are working all over the world. We may not see it, but I pray we begin to see what you see and have your heart for people. And Lord, I pray that you would use everyone in this room, that you would use us, and even those watching, that Lord, you would use every one of us to help bring in the harvest. Because Lord, you love people. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you very much. Listen, if you need to go, know that God goes with you. We're going to sing one song. We're going to close. And before we do, I want to tell you this. We as a church have partnered with Vision Beyond Borders because we believe in the work that they're doing. As Jackson pointed out earlier, there is opportunity, and maybe you were unaware or maybe you haven't considered, there's opportunity for you to go as a partner around the world with Vision, Without, Beyond, with Vision Beyond Borders and change someone's life just by you being there and taking the gospel of God that is within you and the word of God that they smuggle everywhere. Maybe you've never considered it. Maybe your vision is not that big. Patrick's wasn't. 20 Bibles is the first time he snuck into China. Now they're talking three million. God will use the opportunities that you give him to change your life and to build your faith. And I invite you, he's gonna be here, especially if that's of interest to you, talk to him, talk to Jackson. Get a perspective from someone that's local here. If you would like prayer today, there will be someone to meet you at the tables over here. We would love to pray for you. But as we close with this final song, I ask that you consider taking a daily moment just to pray a blessing on Vision Beyond Borders and the work that they're doing taking the gospel around the world to places that are, by all intents and purposes, close to that. So stand with us as we close.